1: I've warned you a couple times that September is going to be Kid Lit Month. And I just want to heads up here because y'all saw what book we're talking about today. So there's content warnings aplenty. We're going to be talking about poverty. We're going to be talking about child death. We're going to be talking about uh, LGBTQ kids and masculine identities and so much that is in this book that you don't remember because they made you read it when you were nine. Greetings, Attic Wives and Lit Witches, and welcome to Fuck Boys of Literature. I am your host, Emily Edwards. You know by now that I don't like kids, so you're probably thinking it's really weird that I'm talking about kid lit. But kid lit is a whole different thing. It cracks your heart wide open, and it makes you feel scared and terrified, and lost, and unloved in a way that you haven't felt since your age was in the single digits. This is a heartbreaking show. So I'm telling you now, gird your loins, gird your hearts, gird your feelings, because it gets to be a lot. And I'm sorry, but also not sorry. Get a cup of tea, snuggle down, and be prepared to feel an awful lot of feelings. All right, everyone with me today is a voice you will recognize from many, many previous episodes of the podcast. Michelle Affy, how the hell are you?
2: Hello. I'm so everyone. glad I get to talk to you about this. I know. This book. Oh, boy.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess I have to ask, like, how, when did you first read it? Because this is one of those many moons ago
2: books. Um, I think it may have been the fourth grade. May like it's one of the books I know I read in school mm-hmm. but I don't really remember the experience of reading it weirdly the only thing I remember was that um I don't know if they probably made you do this in school too where you had to read a book and people had took turns reading out loud
1: oh yeah definitely of it. yeah
2: and um I read faster than the people reading out loud so I was like two chapters ahead mm mm-hmm at my desk and the teacher yelled at me because i was, it was my turn to read yeah. and i didn't know where we were
1: you didn't know where we were yeah
2: it may have been this book it may have been any other book i read in school
1: exactly you're like the standout memory of it is getting in trouble in class and sobbing my eyeballs out <laughs> like <laughs> pretty much yeah. yeah this is one of those books that like you bring up in conversation and people will be like oh my god that book and then you and I we were texting like while we were reading it and we were just like my god this book is beautiful like it's a stunning stunning book
2: it's so well written and it's so complex too I mean it's a children's book but that we were I mean obviously we're adults so that that might be part of it but we were just like oh man this is all these issues came up child abuse and neglect and
1: yeah and and the forced gender roles and the poverty politics Mm -hmm. and just she packs a lot into a book that you can really just like bang out reading in less than 90 minutes
2: it's i know intense i know i mean whoever says that children's literature is not complicated they're wrong they i don't know they haven't really looked into this one i guess you know
1: clearly you know like i Let's talk about that for a second. Cause mm-hmm. I asked on FBL Twitter, like ages ago for when this is airing, um, ages ago of just like, what book did you hate reading in high school? And we got all these answers and most of them were the same, like 10 books or so big, be- you know, the American curriculum only teaches so many books anyway. Yeah. So after a little while, after everything, everybody stopped having fun, the internet decided to be sour and a bunch of people just started saying basically that unless you are reading Chaucer, Shakespeare, like incredibly advanced stuff in oh high school, you're basically letting kids like be stupid and not grapple with actual literature. And man, Bridge to Terabithia is proof fully that something written at a lower grade level, fourth, fifth grade is definitely when this is usually assigned is not it's not simple it's not a simple Mm -hmm. book Mm
2: -hmm. there's so much happening here yeah I mean there's so much happening and just I'm a librarian in my other life so I'm not a teen librarian um I'm in adult services but still I kind of feel like you need to meet people where they are in terms of reading and whether it's complicated or not you, you know you want people to like reading
1: thank you Right. Yeah. I mean, it, it's one of those things where it's like someone sort of um barked at me, you know, it's like most adults don't read past a fifth grade level. Mm-hmm. And that's very true. And I, you know, I don't know. I'm not a teacher. I'm not a librarian. I am not someone who deals with other people, <laughs> quite frankly. And I don't know if those people can be pushed to read at a higher grade level or if we should acknowledge the fact that like maybe people who, you know, started reading in a 12th grade level when we were in the third grade, like I know both you and I were yeah. like, we're the freaks. It's fine for us to be the outliers and for other people to air quotes only read at a fifth grade level. Like that might just be the natural human reading comprehension ability. I mean, it
2: might be. I mean, I don't know. I've. I... I feel like i read very quickly somewhere that average is like seventh grade level for an american adult I yeah i don't know if that's true but it might be but i mean like most people kind of just read to get information right they're not necessarily reading literature you know and not everyone reads fiction so exactly. it's it's a lot of extrapolating and um inference and not everyone Thank okay. gets that you know it's
1: fine like everybody's brain works in a different way like I stopped doing complex mathematics when I was probably about in the 10th grade and it's not that I couldn't do it it's just that it was easier for me to do things that are more uh I don't remember which brain it is left brain or right brain of just like more creative extrapolation you know sort of of tasks were just slightly easier for me so I started going in that direction and certainly my my math skills are behind the times because i just stopped doing it i just stopped exercising that muscle so mm-hmm. i feel like this book and we also did um charlotte's webb which is an even younger grade mm. uh grade level reading complex human emotions are able to be uh understood and taught in something that does have like a lower vocabulary threshold and shorter sentence structures which is literally all that defines like grade level
2: readings no, exactly. And sometimes, like, the simpler the word choice or syntax, the more power it has, in a way, Absolutely. You know, instead of just being flowery. And I mean, I I don't know. I, this book was written in the 70s. I'm pretty sure a lot of us have read this. So we're just going to spoil the big Absolutely. point. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Leslie Burke um, is a 10-year-old girl. She dies toward the end of this book. And uh, the only thing I remembered about this book, by the way, was that she died soon here yeah um but it's it's not it doesn't go on and you know her death isn't described it's not really it's not gory yeah it doesn't go on for you know 10 pages of description (laughs) you know it's just this is what happens
1: yeah if anything just like the the matter of factness of discussing leslie's death in the at the end of this book really leads to the poignancy of the actual novel because of the emotional uh, support levels and essentially emotional abuse of Jesse's, the main character's family of just, you know, he comes back from a we'll get back to this at some point he comes back from this day of being away with his favorite teacher who he's in love with and he doesn't think twice about leslie and his sister he comes in the house and everybody stares at him and his sister goes like your best friend is dead and it's just like that's the end of the chapter yeah and if that had been couched in more um flowery language or more uh sentiment or you know even his feelings of uh if you had gotten more backstory or like internal monologue i feel like the impact of him being told your friend is dead would actually be like to
2: it, it would change the book entirely yeah 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 it's just your friend's dead and then later on his sister is like did you see her laid out did you mm-hmm. see her like dead and laid out and he's just he can't take it, you know, because yeah. he's a little boy. He hasn't been taught how to deal with his emotions in a healthy way. Yeah. Because you his know family. Oh, my God, his family. You know, let's, <laughs> I guess,
1: like, like let, let's circle back to the beginning, because now yes. that we've spoiled the ending of a yep. 50-year-old book. Um, <laughs> 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 it doesn't feel 50 years old. That's the wildest part. So again, it was came out in 77.
2: And mm. It doesn't feel that old. It's mind-boggling. No. Okay. So, like, we read Tuck Everlasting a couple mm-hmm. of years ago. That felt old. That felt old, <laughs> right? I didn't even look up when it was published at the time, but I was like, "This is old." I don't, yeah. You know, just, I don't know. This one, it's dated obviously because it's from you know it's from the times and it mentions the Vietnam War just being over and things yeah. like that. But believe
1: it or not, *Tuck
2: Everlasting* came out in
1: seventy five, and this came out in seventy seven. But it's such a difference, isn't it? <laughs> it's such a difference. Yeah. Sorry. Like I'm getting goosebumps thinking about just like the overall like messaging difference because like Tuck Everlasting takes place in a different time Mm -hmm. period. Like it takes place in like Edwardian sort of time period because they talk about her boots a lot. And it's like Mm -hmm. that didn't really those weren't the fashion for very long until they got zippers. Um, But like this is only came out two years later and the politics of it are very, very, very
2: different. Yeah. I mean, it's also More of a contemporary story for that time. That's true. Time that it's published. Yeah, and you and I are both Yankees,
1: like through and through. So you're yeah, and so like I had not recalled that this book takes place in not quite the rural South because they're within commutable distance to Washington D.C., but it is definitely like the poor South, Mm -hmm. and I didn't really grasp the first time I read this when I was nine about like how much that colors like every single moment of the narrative of this oh
2: yeah no i would have no idea yeah (laughs) i'm from queens i i don't know this okay exactly it would have totally gone over my head if i was you know when i was nine no idea
1: yeah like even if a teacher had explained to me that they were from like you know farm country essentially and not like sprawling beautiful farm country but like dirt poor farm country like Mm -hmm. I don't think I possibly would have grasped you know anything outside of like because where I grew up I grew up in between two farms even in Connecticut Mm -hmm. one was like a dairy farm and one was an alpaca farm but like those are owned by rich people who have no problems losing money on cows and alpaca like (laughs) 60 miles north of New York City
2: like (laughs) this is not that
1: yeah this is not that this is like people who own a hog and hope that will like when they butcher it it will pay for like life for the next two years
2: yeah
1: yeah that's how poor these people are and it's really it's really appalling to read this as an adult to see just like the extent of the poverty
2: right because it's like the whole town practically is they're you know they all talk about how they're all poor basically yeah, it's basically. a poor town you know yeah. and um yeah i mean jesse's dad they have a farm mm-hmm. and a lot of kids like too many like kids a ton of kids too many kids yeah um but his father still has to go to washington to work some job to support them all because the farm won't support
1: them yeah they have like one cow and a green bean patch as far as you can tell and like no land to speak of they probably already sold it all off um like and and one of the cruxes of the story is that jesse has nothing but sisters he's got four sisters two older and two younger and jesse feels this may not be accurate but at least he feels and makes us feel like he's the only person who has to ever do chores on the farm and it's it's so oppressive the way he describes like, how much work he has to do and how the sisters, the older sisters especially, don't, he doesn't see them
2: do any labor. Right, because, well, that's where the story begins, which is good, um, because Jesse is a 10-year-old boy. Mm-hmm. He's the only boy in this family, and so it starts where he has to, like, milk the cow. That's, yeah. like, his his big chore of the morning. He has to milk the cow, and he likes to run. That's, like, I felt like that was his thing like that mm-hmm. is you know he's the only boy he has two older sisters who are really annoying they're and he, yeah and he has two little sisters and they're obviously too little to do things like milk cows um yeah. so yeah. they don't you know and his his dad is distant his mother is tired and cranky and <laughs> is always yelling got
1: five kids and they live on a farm with like barely have electricity like
2: yeah, I and mean, there's no money right so she's always <laughs> just like no i'm not giving you five dollars to go shopping to the yeah. older sisters like we don't have the money um so she's obviously stressed out and he i think he just feels like he's sort of downtrodden and unremarkable and but he's the best runner in school yeah. you know yeah. And that's like that's his thing he's like i can run you know i'm the best runner in my
1: school And he's going to define himself by that. And he's just going to like be a star of the elementary school by being like the only like the fifth grade boy that like wins all these running heats. And it's it's so charming because like I remember being in high school and, you know, not a ton of incredibly wealthy kids in my in my in my town. So like almost everybody was on the track team because like if you wanted to participate in a sport like all you needed was a pair of sneakers like you didn't need gear and and you know practice could happen like either at our track which was like free or like in your own you know up and down your street and it's like that's how you practice and so it's like yeah that's that's definitely like the sport the poor kids can excel at because all you really need is a pair of shoes and to see you know jesse kind of it's it's explained that like the school does have like balls that kids can play with at recess but there's too few of them so the older kids always take them and the younger kids are left trying to just like come up with something that doesn't require gear or you know uh jungle gym equipment or anything because like that's just how poor everyone is
2: yeah and it's poor people in a poor school district Mm -hmm. um his favorite teacher is Miss Edmonds. She's a music teacher, mm-hmm. but she only comes in once a week. You know, and yeah. she's probably split between different schools. Um, then that, you know, they, they don't have the money for arts education, which is a problem. Um, yeah, it is. <laughs> particularly because Jesse, he loves to run, and that's like his thing. I think I feel like that's his like public identity. Like he's the runner, you know. But he actually really like he's actually kind of an artist. He likes to draw, but. He hides it, um, because he's been told by his own father of like, well, like, what what are you drawing for? You're a boy, like we don't you don't do that, you know.
1: Yeah, yeah, it, that is possibly his relationship to his dad and his dad's expectations of him is you know, barring the, the premature death of his best friend at 10 years old, I almost find his relationships to his dad, like more depressing. Cause like one is a freak accident, but like the other is a conscious decision by his father to have no actual emotional relationship to his only son.
2: Yeah. I mean, and he's just going to be stuck with his father for the rest of his life. Right. I mean, that's just, yeah. that's it. And I mean, obviously some of it is the times of like, you know, feelings
1: on, I don't know, yeah, general no, The late 70s were such an interesting time because, like, it's, but even it's referenced quite a bit in this book. It's just like the music teacher, she wears jeans and she doesn't wear lipstick. So everybody is just like, she's a hippie. She's awful. She's a bad, you know, like influence on the kids because, like, not only is she trying to get them to like art, which is a useless skill, you mm-hmm. know, in the late 1970s, but like, she's a hippie. And everybody hates her, and it's like so politicized mm-hmm. that she'll wear that she doesn't wear lipstick, and she wears jeans. And yeah. it's just like, oh my god, I've kind of forgot about the '70s because the rebranding of the '70s is all about being a hippie. And then you remember, like, no, people didn't like them in the 1970s.
2: No, and especially not in rural, poor South. It's yeah, really. You know, you have to imagine it's a very conservative area. They're just like, she's a hippie. And then this family moves in the Burks. They're from the mm-hmm. north. Yes. Um, well, they're the from amorphous like amorphous, globulous north. north. Well, they were living in Arlington, which is still in Virginia, but I guess is considered the north. I don't know. Yeah. Um, and Leslie, you know, wears like shorts, and she has short hair, and she, you know, she's a tomboy, you know, and she likes to she beats the boys in their race on the playground and stuff, and and it's kind of like oh well she's weird you know (laughs) like yeah it 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 starts off by introducing her that like she doesn't
1: understand that the foot races are only for the boys and that the girls are supposed to be off in the corner watching the boys and talking about the boys and she's just kind of like no but i want to participate and she cannot comprehend at all the gender roles of this weird conservative like poor area that her parents forced her to move to
2: right yeah i mean and like she's obviously had a pretty wide experience like she's been scuba diving she mm-hmm. reads an essay about that for school you yeah know, she's she's a very good student she makes you know she's read Narnia which this book was inspired by yeah um she makes a lot of literary references she has a huge imagination she's so different from all the other kids in this place it's so different
1: and I think it's so, I love the fact that Katherine Patterson gives Jesse an incredible emotional intelligence, like mm-hmm. that little boys in books are rarely, rarely ever given. And, you know, he, he is, he is uh, an athlete. He has the, the, the other side of not understanding why his father doesn't want him to be an artist. He doesn't, he knows why his, his father uses words. They never say the words to let him know that it's not desirable to be a male artist. And we can only assume that those are
2: you know what those are yeah only assume those are case lawyers but um
1: (laughs) jesse has just such an incredible emotional intelligence of just going like looking at poor leslie and saying like i know your parents wanted to move here but did didn't they at all comprehend the kind of impact that would have on you if just like this world is so different from the world that they brought you up in and you're 10 like you have memories you have experiences like didn't they think at all about how this would impact you and she just has an equal emotional intelligence of just saying like well it's good for them so like I'll take one for the team
2: right yeah well I, yeah because I think at one point he's just like why would you yeah. move here like why and she, Leslie describes it as, well, my parents are re reevaluating their value structure. <laughs> Literally what she says, I have it in quotes. And like, uh, I don't know, well, we were talking about how it reminded us of like rich people who like want to move to the farm because they think they have all this glamorized, romanticized version of what rural life is.
1: Exactly. So you're, you're right that like, um, we were talking about like the rich people who just like move to farms and uh, like I am I guess I could be accused of that I just moved from Los Angeles back to like Connecticut and it's like and we're we keep going like oh we have so much land we have an acre and a half like for Connecticut it's not like that much space like it's not a massive 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 amount of space mm-hmm. but like after living in a city for 15 years it's a huge amount of space mm-hmm. and like we just we just bought a house and like Uh, you know so many people especially now in the pandemic are doing that too where it's just like Mm -hmm. i'm gonna move from the city to like upstate new york and i'm gonna spend like the money that you can use to buy a apartment in new york city buys you 15 20 acres like anywhere else and they're just like it's a wholesome life and it's gonna be easy and then you spend one winter like taking care of a farm and you're like holy shit this is so much work (laughs)
2: You know, and with, like, the local villagers being like, can you go back to the city now? We don't want to. Exactly. You stop, yeah. stop driving up the prices here. Thank you. Exactly. Go away. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's like. Yeah. Uh, we, you don't know, vote, you... we don't vote blue here. Go. Yeah.
1: Go. Shoo. We don't yeah. like your kind here. And by your kind, we mean yuppies. Get the yeah. hell
2: out. Yeah. Go away. Yeah, <laughs> go away. <laughs> yeah, but, that, I mean, her parents are writers. Both of them. Yeah. So. Both of them. Yeah, So I guess they were like, we're going to move to the country and we're going to have our writing spaces and it's going to be quiet and Leslie can, you know, be outdoors, one with nature. I don't know.
1: Yeah, it's super bizarre. They they don't really seem to think about how it will affect her. They just think life in the country is inherently better than life in the city slash suburbs of, of Arlington, Virginia, which is essentially the same thing as Washington D.C. It's like mm-hmm. super expensive, and mm-hmm. and if you work for the government, that's where you live. Mm-hmm. And so, like, they just don't think about the just the, the the even the educational difference of moving her from Arlington, Virginia, which is like a major city, mm-hmm. to
2: the fucking sticks yeah. where they have music class. One day a week.
1: Yeah. This
2: Um, poor girl's been scuba
1: diving and like gym class consists of running. And that's really about it.
3: As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply.
0: Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you.
1: at all because it has to be inherently better because it's not the city which like america still functions on
2: oh yeah i mean that's why people move out to long island from the city because they're like oh but it's the suburbs and the schools are better yeah which is code for quite a lot of things Um.
1: it is you are describing my family to a t and then long island got too busy and then we had to move up to connecticut and it's just like this all happened like in my lifetime And it's just kind of like, that's guys, we know what you were doing. My dad is blessedly dead. So I can just be like, my dad was a screaming racist. And it's like, we know what you were doing. And then you had to move out of the town that I currently live in because it was changing too. And it's like, Douglas, (laughs) you racist old man. Like we know what you were doing
2: and it's not coded at all. No, no. It's like because the schools are better because Mm -hmm. the property taxes are insanely high. Um, people do that <laughs> yeah, because yeah. they're like oh but there's more space yeah. well yeah there is more space but it's expensive space on Yeah. yeah, or Arlington or I don't know Bethesda, Maryland I'm not you know any other yeah. suburb all oh, of
1: that is so expensive we've got mm. friends from college people who have been on the show who live in that area and I'm like it is the same price as Los Angeles it is so expensive it's crazy expensive
2: yeah and you have <sighs> to drive everywhere yeah like, there's no like you have to drive everywhere you have to drive everywhere mm-hmm. this is a foreign concept to me I'm a New Yorker and I'm just yeah. like oh I have a Metro card <laughs> <laughs> that sounds nice yes. <laughs> uh
1: yeah it, it's completely unwalkable here too which is like super bizarre to me it's like there's no sidewalks in my town
2: mm.
1: I'm like mm. but mm. there's also like no place to park in like the place where all like the cute eateries are and stuff mm-hmm. like that it's like so I have to walk a mile and a half which is not far
2: no,
1: yeah. in this you know like in the street and it's like it's like a state route so it's like super busy that's like okay so you never thought that people would like take public transit there's no buses mm-hmm. there's no like trolley cars there's no taxis like what and I'm supposed to drive there I guess not park, get like tuck and roll out of the car and just like, it's like, oh, I wonder why your town freaking died. It's because you literally have no means to participate in town life. Yeah, I know.
2: It sounds like it wasn't very designed very well. If there's no no place to park, I thought that was the first rule of suburbs is like you have parking lots everywhere. No?
1: (laughs) No, not really. Like it's because the town center of like where I live was built in like 1850. Oh, okay. So like, and then like all the, the, um, contemporary homes to that are, you know, within the same town center. And then it just kept building out and out and out. And I guess by the time it got to where I am, where most of the houses around here were built in the fifties and Mm sixties, it's just kind of like, I guess you're commuting into the city and you have no reason to like, want to participate in a town life. And it's just very,
2: Oh, I see. Because they think that because everyone commutes into, I don't know, Stanford or New York City, that, yeah, you would just do everything
1: there. Exactly, exactly. And you wouldn't want to participate in something, like, in your town. Like, when you're home, you just want to be home, and you don't actually want to, like, have a culture here. And we've just, (laughs) it's very bizarre.
2: Yeah. So, like, I have relatives who live on that Island. One of them lives in a town where the sidewalks end midway through the block i do not understand um, well the big the busy street has sidewalks yeah but no one ever seems to walk there anyway so i don't know what that is and the other one lives in a place where there are no sidewalks on the residential street so you walk in the street yeah it's like why why i don't why? understand it I don't and they have you know like a cute um kind of busy road with like a lot of shops and stores and things and i'm just like that has a sidewalk yeah but so, to get to that and, live, and, and it's not that far away from their house the the road with all the stores but like to get there you're gonna drive a couple of blocks park and then walk up and down those i don't understand
1: yeah that's like most of northeastern suburbia and i just i've to for the life of me i just do not understand it
2: and that's strange I
1: don't it's know. super weird i don't know but it reminds me so much of like the, the town life that like these kids are living in, even though the book takes place in a place that's much more rural, mm-hmm. you know, it's like the kids go to school and then they go home and then there's like nothing else to do, not even and again, everybody is poor. And it's one thing that like Leslie explains to Jesse, you know, you know, we don't have to worry about money. And Jesse's like, what do you mean you've you don't have to worry about money? And she's just like, no, like everybody has to worry about money. And she's like, no, we specifically, like my family does not have to worry about money. And it's the first time he's ever met someone who wasn't like counting every single penny that they were, that they, that comes into the house. And it's magic to him. He's never thought about it before in his entire life.
2: It's never occurred to him that you could be like that right Mm -hmm. i mean because his mother begrudges like every dollar that his older sisters ask for to go to the mall yeah which is like i don't know how how far away it is it sounds like it's you know maybe the next town over or something yeah um and she's just like (laughs) one dollar one dollar that's it that's all we can spare that's all i'm giving you to buy whatever and um yeah but leslie's like no you know like her parents were able to buy this old farm with the house her mother writes novels her father writes political things Mm -hmm. um and they're fine you know yeah yeah during the the
1: era where you could actually make money off of writing and that era is long past as well so that's the other (laughs) moment of historical value of this book Mm -hmm. where his father writes like political, her father writes like political articles and makes a just fine living where they can fix up an entire far- dilapidated farmhouse and then move from it without a second thought whatsoever.
2: I want to know what her grandparents did. <laughs>
1: yeah, like what kind of trust fund was involved here? We're not going to get that
2: far. No, <laughs> but yeah. no, no, no. No, but um, they kind of become friends, right? Like Jesse and Leslie. Um, yeah. Because yeah. he, I think Oddball recognizes Oddball.
1: <laughs> yeah, definitely. Like, there's nothing that should really bring them together, but there is something about Jesse where he just doesn't understand sexism, no. which is which is both like charming and not realistic. But I appreciate it.
2: Yeah, I mean, I I chalked it up to the fact that he has so many sisters, you know, mm-hmm. but, which is a possibility of just like, um. But yeah, I, you know he kind of re- realizes that like she's not, she's not she's not making friends with the other girls. She's just so bizarre to them. Yeah. Um, and they live, you know, they kind of get off at the same bus stop because they live near each other. So they kind of slowly become friends. And then was it on Jesse's family's property that they go to, or it's like nearby, right? They- yeah,
1: it's kind of like unincorporated or like unclaimed land sort of like adjacent to their both their family farms where it's just like there's a crick that someone probably owns but no one really takes care of or claims Mm -hmm. and like that's pretty much everywhere around here where it's just like there's woods and someone's got to own it but no one knows who and you just kind of like go and play on it like it's it's pretty common like in in you know more rural or you know wildy places Mm -hmm. and so they like find all these pine trees and and they go and play in the woods and they're so excited because it's like that taste of adulthood that taste of like unsupervised like creative play where no one is there to tell you what you're doing is wrong or you have something better to be doing with your time
2: right no but it's lovely to like to kind of watch them develop and leslie decides no this is our kingdom we Mm -hmm. will call it terabithia and i'm the queen and you're the king And look, look at all the Terabithians. They've come to greet us, you know, and it's, um, and to get there, they, they swing on a rope across this, the creek bed. Um, Yeah. We were debating about why there's a random rope in the woods.
1: Yeah. You know, like it would never, obviously like my no nine-year-old, probably not many nine-year-olds or at least not many white nine-year-olds are going to read about an old rope hanging off from a tree in the middle of the woods in the rural south. South. And I was like, oh, fuck.
2: (laughs) What is that doing there?
1: Yeah, because you will notice that uh, Catherine Patterson may just have been as something she was blind to. But she never actually describes any of the kids as being kids of color. Oh, and they probably weren't. Exactly.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I don't think they were. No. i think it would have been described had one of them yeah that's
1: what i'm that's what i'm yeah. thinking it was just the omission of describing <laughs> classmates of color means that there were no classmates of color and uh yeah the 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 rope hanging there and being there and being as old as it was they said it's an old rope they kept mm-hmm. specifying that though it's a very old rope
3: mm-hmm. and
1: um you know, and the fact that it does eventually lead to the aberrant character's demise really mm-hmm. drives home to me that like that is a rope with a purpose, and it's such
2: Chekhov's rope. Yeah, it's Chekhov's rope right there. It's yeah, and it's been there and may have been used. Um, uh, yeah, it, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, mm, but it's there
0: and its yeah. Um. <laughs>
2: And I enter this kingdom, but yeah, it's just like the imaginative play, kind of really made me smile because I used to do something kind of similar with my best friend when I was um probably around this time I was reading this book in elementary school. We didn't like go to the woods because there are no woods in Queens. Yeah.
1: There um, was about to like you're
2: in Queens, yeah, not woods per se. We have parks that have woods in them, but you don't want to be in those. So no, um, no but it was just like we used to like um run up phone bills constantly back when I actually liked to speak on the phone and (laughs) we would be on the phone. (laughs) And um just like we used to just be like, okay, so I'm the I'm this person, you're that person and we used to just like have kind of make up stories with each other because we were both sort of a riderly temperament. And that was like I guess our version of kind of what Leslie and Jesse do. Except And they just but Leslie and Jesse just do it like after school almost every day. They're just like we're gonna go run around.
1: And it's really lovely. Like, it's something that I've noticed as more and more of my friends have kids of just like, I've noticed that like a lot of people under 15, maybe like 15 and younger, like they don't get a ton of like unstructured playtime. You know, Mm. it's like you have activities now and it's like you go to ballet, you go to violin lessons, you go and you know do gymnastics or whatever and so it's like there's a lot of things that kids do and you know often like very physical you know you play soccer they play you know basketball and stuff like that but it's all very structured and i'm just kind of like yeah but when do your kids learn how to like play
2: by themselves
1: yeah just make okay. shit
2: up yeah because i mean that's important too to just let them you know like i have a young um niece she's six and she she has a bunch of stuffed animals. She'll make up things about them. She draws random things. Mm-hmm. Um, which is good because she gets off screens that way. But, you know, she just makes her own stuff up, you know. And I'm like, yeah, but that's the way you should be playing. And also, it's, like, important to have kids learn how to, I mean, not only, like, use their imaginations, but to play by themselves. Like, yeah. you don't need to be told how to play. Yeah. It, you know. Yeah, there's no rules. Like... No you just sit there and, and do stuff and it's yeah. it's really fun yeah and it, i think it teaches you to not be bored as an adult cuz you're no always you're always just thinking about something you know yeah,
1: exactly mm-hmm. but it, it it is very funny to me that like i do have family members and my brother is like this my brother is a mechanical engineer and like he said to me like recently like if you just asked him to write a story like he wouldn't know what to do mm-hmm. and i'm like what do you mean you don't know had to just like make up stories like you just wouldn't be able to pick a character out of thin air and make it do something and he was just like no like what i would need parameters and like i feel like he's had such an, an intensive like engineering sort of education and background since you know in the middle of high school when everybody kind of figures out what they kind of like like and want to do Mm -hmm. that like he's just kind of like lost the mechanism and i'm like oh man that sucks
2: like (laughs) that kind of just sucks (laughs) yeah i mean i just find that some people just don't have that chip yeah in their brain too like they just have a hard time being like what do you mean i have what 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 do you mean i have to like make something up like i don't understand what that is you know yeah yeah
1: yeah and this book comes at a, like a really interesting time in like kid literature too and, and i mean like age group i don't necessarily mean like time that it was published mm-hmm. whereas like a lot of the conflict in uh this kind of era or this kind of like age group of, of of books it's like you know you tell stories of like oh i i have to win the science fair or like oh i have a test that i have to do well on and that's kind of like the chief like focus of conflict when you're in between the ages of like eight and like maybe 11 you know it's just like you have to accomplish something you're presented with a problem that you have to overcome Mm -hmm. whereas the problem in this is literally emotion it's the emotional conflict of being someone at heart that your parents don't necessarily want you to be like um you know having to you've just the the dislike that's heaped on Leslie it's never like someone's beating her up they just don't like her And like, there's no physical conflict that she has to, no one's going to like, oh, there's a fight after school that Leslie's got to win. And it's like, no, she's just like weird and people don't like her. And it's like, yeah, that's all, that's adulthood. You're just weird
2: and people don't like you. Yeah, she's weird and she's different. And so she's excluded from, you know, the cliques that these girls already have. Like they've obviously all grown up together. Yeah. And she's like the weird new kid and they just don't want to anything to do with her.
0: Yeah,
1: and and it's fascinating how many times that Leslie um breaches the gap between the uh the the created femininity in the world where they are living and like nobody ever tries to bridge the gap to her aside from Jessie but she tries over and over and over again to bridge the gap between herself and the other girls around her like when the school bully is crying and she's just like she's crying and I have to do something and Jessie's just like no you don't like you don't have to do anything but she's just like no if someone is hurt I have to go and fix that and you know she doesn't match the I'm wearing makeup and dressing like a peacock in order to go to Easter service because I'm 13 and I need to think about getting a husband like Jesse's older sisters. Like that's not how Leslie's brain works at all, but she is always trying to um, close the, the rift between herself and the expected gender roles of, of the society that her parents moved to. to.
2: Right. Yeah. Well, the Easter service is really interesting though, because like, you know, Leslie's family is, atheist i would say like she's never yeah. been to a church she's never read the bible she's no concept of any of this yeah and um and but it, she asked jesse like oh like i've never been to an easter service like can i come with your family and he asks his mom and his mother's like ah, yeah like she's was, like she's gonna embarrass me like will she be dressed appropriately you know and yeah but leslie does she shows up in a dress she's very polite you know mm-hmm. she sits through church. Um and then she's like oh well that was interesting (laughs) and the best part is it's like jesse's two older
1: sisters are the ones that are dressed inappropriately one wears like a see-through blouse and the other one's like caked her face with makeup and it's like that's the inappropriate behavior for church but his mother is just kind of like because that is the expected presentation of femininity in this town that they're living in his mother is just kind of like I'm worried that the girl who shows up in like pigtails and like a skirt that comes down to her knees and a sweater is the one going to be the one that embarrasses me.
2: Right. As if Leslie can't figure out how to dress appropriately for occasions she's a smart girl (laughs) or
1: that her parents are there and capable and understand the 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 modes of going to church like they're grown adults from arlington they know people who go to church i'm sure they've been to church and chose not to Mm -hmm. and like this mom can jesse's mother cannot comprehend that like this weird family might understand the 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 social mores of the town that they moved to
2: yeah yeah but that that easter there's a conversation that leslie jesse and his sister maybell have after church mm-hmm. and like this book gets banned a lot and yeah. i think this conversation is why Absolutely, um, because you know they go to church and leslie's like well i mean that was interesting but like you know um of, like, you don't need to. I don't believe in the Bible or I don't yeah. understand or whatever. Yeah, she's not religious. And Maybell, the younger sister, she's like six or seven, and she's like, But what are you talking about? Like, you got to believe the Bible. Yeah, Leslie, it's the Bible, you have to believe it. The Bible, you have to believe it. And Leslie's like, Well, why, you know? And Maybell's like, Because God will damn you to hell. <laughs> like, yeah, and Leslie's like, No, well, I mean, I don't believe that, Mabel." you know. And, Mabel, yeah. and it's not like belief for Mabel this is she's six so she's a very literal mind still and she's just like this but this is what it is like you're gonna get you yeah. go to hell like what happens if you die Like you're yeah. just gonna go to hell <laughs> yeah um, yeah and I'm like oh this is what gets this book banned okay
1: yeah, yeah it is it is because I think it's a, it's a one-two punch actually for this book is that you know you have an atheist character who who is just kind of like, no, I don't believe in Jesus. And that is abhorrent to most of those kinds of people, the mm-hmm. people who ban books anyway. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, Leslie does die without ever declaring that she does believe in Jesus. And as usual, you'll hear the rest of our hot Atheist takes on this over on Patreon at patreon.com slash That's B-O-I-S. I want to thank everybody who became a patron during the months of July and August because we ended up donating $1,800 to various abortion access networks around the country as well as other people who help uh, abortion access and fight for abortion rights. So thank you so much to everybody who switched over and gave a buck over to doing that. So September here in Kidlet month, we will probably be donating all of our September earnings to Trans Support Lifelines and Trans Support Networks as well. So if you want to help us help the LGBTQ community, please head on over to patreon.com/fuckboysoflit. Give a buck, you'll unlock tons of back episodes and all of the full Kidlet episodes for the month of September and help people who need some help. My my name is Emily Edwards. I can't thank you enough for listening. Even if you don't head on over at Patreon, click like and subscribe wherever you are listening to get all of our for 30 and 40 minute episodes for the rest of Kidlet Lit Month. Um, every little bit of listening helps spread the word of enjoying literature. Even if people don't think you have the skills to enjoy literature, that's what Fuck Voice of Lit is here for. We want everybody to enjoy books and read books and get the most out of them. So thank you so much for listening. I am Emily Edwards and have a good one.